Hi, I'm Harini. I'm Camille. I'm Kelvina, and welcome to the News Podcast. On today's episode of the News Podcast, we're going to be talking about Eurocentrism within the feminist movement, which can manifest itself in white feminism. We want to talk about the effect that this has mainly on women of colour and how we, as feminists, can use this knowledge to be more supportive, inclusive and intersectional in our everyday approaches to feminism. Building on this, white feminism refers to feminism that is embedded in these European and European-American experiences of women. But obviously, this is not the only branch of feminism that exists within the West. Other forms, including liberal, radical, Marxist, postmodern, postcolonial, intersectional, all exist too. But in the West, this idea of Eurocentrism definitely plays a role in the way that women of colour are viewed and crucially treated within society. For example, in an article by Jane Yin, it talks about how there is definitely a dominance of Eurocentric discourse and feminist movements around the world despite the other feminist movements that exist. This begs the question of inherent racism within feminism and whether the movement itself has just fed off colonialism. So Eurocentrism is defined in an academic setting by Pockrell as a quote-unquote cultural phenomenon that views the histories and cultures of non-Western societies from a European or Western perspective. We could say that it essentially assumes the superiority of Western European ideals cultures and values over non-European ones. And the danger with this comes from the fact that non-European, non-Western and Indigenous voices are marginalised and left out of the conversation. It creates spatial separation between the perceived West and the non-West and also temporal hierarchies in which the West is said to have advanced and developed quicker. These ideas are apparent in beauty standards, for example, and this has a huge impact on women of colour. And in this episode, we're going to focus predominantly on the impact on South Asian women, as well myself, and black women. Women of colour are often masculinised in the face of Eurocentric beauty standards, and this really originates in the histories of slavery, where white women were seen as the epitome of femininity with more petite frames, black women were just seen as bodies to contrast this idea of femininity. They were seen as strong and fierce, like the men at the time wanted to be, and that just further exacerbated the idea of the white woman as the feminine ideal. The association of black women with characteristics often used to describe men forms the basis for the masculinization of these women within our society now. Over time, this racist and colorist attitude has really taken off in media representations of women of color, and that's quickly become the idea that darker skin tones equal masculinity and lighter skin tones are attributed to femininity. For example, women like Serena Williams, Michelle Obama and Megan Thee Stallion have faced swathes of media criticism about their appearance, with people taking to the comments of their Instagram posts and videos to express concern that they are actually men or trans women. Not only is this highly transphobic, insinuating that there's something wrong with non-cis forms of gender expression, these types of comments are also deeply rooted in racism And they really perpetuate the idea that the Eurocentric beauty standard of a white woman with certain facial features and body types is the epitome of femininity. Across social media, but especially on Twitter, Megan has often been referred to as Marcus, with people genuinely doubting that she is a woman. For these black women, the backlash revolves around the fact that they're firstly women in power 
challenging the sexist notion that feminine women are diminutive, but also that these women are tall, have strong features, for example Serena Williams' muscles, and that these women are powerful and strong, which somehow translates to their masculinisation within media. And if such influential women of colour are being masculinised and put down in this way, women of colour in general start to see the need to express themselves in a certain way to defend their femininity, such as becoming hyper-feminine, to make up for the way that they are seen within society. For example, you know, if we look at hateful comments on TikTok, a disproportionate amount of women of colour have insults that are linked to their gender, for example, being told that they look like men, either as a transphobic comment or genuinely believing that they should come out to their followers as trans. Some of these creators have since gone on to speak about this issue and how awful and unfeminine it makes them feel. They've often gone on to say that actually now they do struggle with gender identity because of these comments and find themselves acting in a certain way to attract validation from other people. Other content creators have said that they don't feel feminine anymore or attractive unless they've put on makeup, dress a certain way, put jewellery on or act hyper-feminine. In 1991, Mernon and Byrne described hyperfemininity as an exaggerated adherence to a feminine gender role as it relates to heterosexual relationships, which is crucial. This isn't an inherently bad thing to do, as obviously all women should be respected and encouraged to wear whatever they want and whatever they feel comfortable in. And for a lot of women, this is just a subconscious reaction to their own personal experiences with the patriarchy. However, the issue then lies in the systemic polarisation of these genders because it encourages the belief in a binary gender system, in the belief that women should have to spend time emphasising or even proving their gender every day of the week, no matter how much it costs time-wise or money-wise, and in the fact that black women and women of colour have anything to prove in order to be seen as legitimate as white women. As a woman of Indian origin living in Britain, Compliments received on my appearance, I've noticed, often centre around my facial structure. Things like, oh, Harini, you have a sharp jawline. And I was talking to some of my friends who are also women of colour about this, and they described similar experiences with comments on their appearance normally revolving around facial structure, thick hair or body shape. Obviously, I'm not in any way saying I don't like receiving compliments. I do. I just think it's really interesting that a lot of women of colour have these experiences and that these typically masculine features according to the Eurocentric standard of beauty are what people notice about us and flag up things like jawline, thick dark hair, but where that hair is anywhere else in our body and not just our actual hair or eyebrows, it's seen in a completely different, almost negative light if you will. On the other hand, women of colour are often hypersexualized through erotica and in the media. For example, East Asian women in anime and in songs. Mia Khalifa has also come out and shared her experience with hypersexualization, whereby there's a demand to see women of colour in a sexual context, resulting in women of colour generally being objectified. The contrast between being fetishized online and being made to feel more undesirable in day-to-day life and politics at the same time leads to women of colour feeling low self-esteem and feelings of depersonalization where they feel detached from their own body and experiences, as they're victimised by double standards, where the patriarchy continues to be in control. For South Indian women, I definitely think that we start being masculinised from a very young age. I remember being tall in primary school, big boned, and I did have upper lip hair. And it's not just me who has these experiences, a lot of South Asian women do. And we often find ourselves shaving our body hair from a very young age in order to look more feminine, even if we don't realise that we're doing so. 
I have such a vivid memory of visiting my grandma's house in India and begging my mum to let me thread my eyebrows because all the girls in school had really skinny eyebrows. And when she refused, obviously because I was so young, I went into my grandma's bathroom and just cut them off with kitchen scissors. And I walked out with really botched eyebrows and I just pretended like nothing happened because I didn't want anyone to know. I even started shaving off my sideburns and peach fuzz, trying to hide the fact that I do have body hair and a lot of it. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. I think at the time it just made me feel unfeminine and over time and through speaking to other girls who've gone through similar experiences I've realized that being a woman of color is growing up realizing that you were never really ugly you just looked very different in a society that only really legitimizes one standard of beauty. In a sense women of color are also held to a different set of beauty standards with comments like you're pretty for a black woman or you're pretty for an Asian woman rather than just pretty showing how society undervalues women of color. If we think about it further, people like Cara Delevingne and Kristen Stewart are able to explore androgynous fashion or partake in non-behaviours, for example, not wearing makeup or not dressing up, and they're still seen as feminine as they have the features that fit the Eurocentric model. They are not called men or transgender in a backlash frenzy as a woman of colour would face if she acted in the same way. Hence, intersectionality within feminist discourse and understanding the experiences of women of colour is so important to allow them the same opportunities of presenting and expressing themselves in whatever way they like, without fear of racist, sexist and transphobic backlash. To sum up, Eurocentrism taking centre stage within Western feminist movements leads to the perceived masculinisation of women of colour and that affects us in every aspect of our lives, whether it be choosing a partner, the way we choose to present ourselves in dress, the way we speak. This is a very real problem within society and I can only really comment on the South Asian perspective, but... I've brought in a few of my friends to talk about their own experiences. So do you guys want to briefly introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Nadia and I'm 18. Hi, I'm Ritka. I'm 19 years old and I'm a South Indian girl living in the UK. Hi, my name's Min and I'm 20. So in today's episode, we've talked about the masculinization of women of colour. But I think discussing this topic really benefits from a wide and diverse set of experiences and opinions. And so, as women of colour yourselves, my first question for you is, have you ever felt this way, masculinized, or that you don't fit the beauty standard? And if so, how has that made you feel? Yeah, I've definitely felt that way, and its roots are in childhood, where I really struggled to see myself represented in the media that I was consuming. Like, it sounds really cliche, but even the fact that I had a darker complexion and a different hair texture to all of my dolls definitely made me feel like I didn't conform to the normal standard of beauty that was being portrayed to me. I've definitely felt masculinated before because I wear a lot of tracksuits. I'm quite a stereotypically tomboy sort of girl. I like wearing, I'm quite into the trainers and I do a lot of sports. And I felt like most masculinated when I came out of the environment where a lot of people were like me. So where I'm from in the town I'm from, a lot of my friends are like me and that's really normal. And I never really got girls or guys ever acknowledging that. But when I went to, for example, university, I went to a different town. Um, a lot of people picked up on it and I wouldn't say fetishized, but definitely decided to label it as cool and being edgy. Whereas to me, it wasn't because um, it was something I was so used to. And it made, it just sometimes could make you feel quite isolated and and things like that and make you feel like you're different when in reality you're not. Yes, definitely. I mean, being South Asian, there is a lot of subliminal messaging in the media pushing the narrative forward that femininity revolves around lighter skin Eurocentric features. 
In particular, from my experience, growing up there was a consistent dialogue from my own relatives that I would be prettier with lighter skin, with some even suggesting for me to use bleaching cream or to eat papaya, which supposedly lightens your skin. Um, And I think the media definitely propagates this idea further, which damaged my perception of beauty even more. Yeah, that's so interesting that no matter what your ethnic origin, like if you are a woman of colour, there's definitely shared experience that you can touch on. So thank you guys for illustrating that. My second question is, how has this experience that you've described changed the choices that you make in your lives today? I think I'm quite proud to be the way I am. So I've never had to change and I've never decided to change luckily and I've never been fully forced to be put in that position where it was so uncomfortable but at times things that do make me feel quite uncomfortable and especially growing up when you're young and I still get it to this day because stereotypically I'm more masculine in that sense in the way I dress and the way I talk perhaps um a lot of people think that's linked to sexual orientation whereas that I did, that makes no sense because you can be any sexual orientation and have, look anyway and talk anyway there's not a certain look that fits to being heterosexual or being homosexual but a lot of the time uh, people assume my sexual orientation or or ask me about it quite openly, which I think is something quite personal. It's not necessarily has to be personal, but it's something that you should talk about with someone if they feel comfortable with that. And I do get people I don't know personally um, assuming my sexual orientation and asking me about it. And growing up, that can make you feel quite uncomfortable because I think, you know, finding out your sexual orientation is a journey that you should take by yourself and, you know, hopefully isn't going to be influenced by other people negatively. And when you hear these things and people try to assume your sexual orientation, it can have an effect on the way you think and you start do you do you can question yourself, which isn't isn't nice, especially as a young kid. And then as you grow up, oh, luckily I grew out of that and um, it never got never got too deep but then even to this day I still at the age of 20 I get people assuming my sexual orientation all the time. I would say that it's not plaguing my mind constantly but when in a predominantly white space like university I'm often hyper aware of being presentable. That manifests itself in many ways whether it be making my hair look more professional and not what could be considered as frizzy and wild or wearing certain styles of clothing and this is something that I doubt my white counterparts ever have to consider. I feel like it has affected me to an extent. Growing up, I definitely try to adopt certain aesthetics that are catered towards white women in order to feel more feminine. For example, the French girl aesthetics trending on social media. I also definitely still have a deep-rooted inferiority complex to white women and tend to automatically assume no one is attracted to me and if they are, I'm convinced it's some sort of joke. Some of these insecurities definitely fade when I'm in a more diverse setting but the lack of confidence resulting from this has definitely damaged the way I navigate certain social settings. That's all we really have time for today. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your experience. I think this episode and topic really needed it. Well, we hope you found this episode useful and informative and hope that you listen in on our next episode. If you've enjoyed our content and feel interested in participating, you can send us an email at admin at newslondon.co.uk or check out our Instagram at news underscore LDN, as well as our blog at www.newslondon.co.uk, where we upload new articles every Friday. That's all from us. This was the News Podcast. 